welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Team Builder. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for baseball teams. Team Builder is used by 11 organizations in Major League Baseball. Baseball coaches from travel to college teams can write training programs or choose from pre-designed training programs built by professional baseball strength coaches, all for as low as $50 per month. Personally, we used Team Builder when I was coaching at Western Illinois University. It's very user-friendly and streamlines all of your programming. It also makes training sessions on or off campus easier to access for your athletes. Right now, when you start a 14-day free trial, use promo code ABCA to receive four free baseball-specific strength and conditioning training programs directly into your account. In just one click, you can set your team up with a professionally designed strength training program delivered to every player's mobile app every single day. You can reach out to Hewitt Tomlin over at Team Builder on Twitter at T-E-A-M- B-U-I-L-D-R, or on their website at www.teambuilder.com, or via phone at 240-528-7848, and let Hewitt know that the ABCA sent you. And now on to the ABCA podcast. Our next guest on the ABCA podcast is Steve Goody. Steve is the CEO and co-founder of Pocket Radar. He's also on the advisory board of OnBaseU. Steve has spent over 35 years in the technology industry as a system architect and designer of hardware and software systems and products. He's held senior positions with Camus Systems, Sorrent, Cisco, Next Level Communications, and Hewlett Packard. Steve is named an inventor and co-inventor on 17 patents and holds a BSEE from UC Davis. He has been a passionate inventor from a very early age and still loves the challenge of taking abstract ideas and turning them into reality. In this episode, we discuss how Pocket Radar came to be as an idea and then company, his mission for Pocket Radar, the updates for Smart Coach, his relationship with Dante and Bo Bichette, and the work he is doing with OnBaseU. Let's welcome Steve to the podcast. Here with Steve Goody, CEO of Pocket Radar, and just read On Base U advisory board member, which is awesome. And then uh, Pocket Radar is our sponsor for our Tuesday night webinars that are hosted by J- Jim Richardson. And uh, anybody listening in, if you haven't watched those, they're phenomenal. And you can find those on our website at www.abca.org. And you can also find them on our app, the MyABCA app. So if you haven't watched those, I highly suggest that you watch those but steve thanks for coming on oh glad to be here it's uh i really enjoy doing these kinds of things and glad to be on on the on the podcast for our listeners that don't know your background can you dive into your background a little bit pre-pocket radar and and what you were doing pre-pocket radar and then how you found pocket radar sure um i'm an engineer by training and uh which is ironic that i'm in a, a sports tech business now because i was not the sports kid i was the engineer kid you know the nerdy one in books right so uh, I always laugh at that. Um, but yeah, uh, several decades in high technology, doing computer networking and telecom, all kinds of fun electronics kinds of with big corporations like Hewlett Packard and Cisco and such. Uh, and then, you know, later in my life with two partners, we decided we wanted to do something 
you know, that was more focused on the passion of doing it. And, and as engineers, we're creators, you know, like so many people are, you know, in, in different disciplines. So we sort of started our own little, in, you know, inventors club, if you will, as engineers and self-funded it. And it was in the beginning, it was sort of a sandbox for engineers and nothing more than that. And in a few years, early around probably 2004 or so, uh, started seriously looking at building something we could put into the market and mainly to get it out there and change and help people's lives in some way. And we played around with a lot of ideas. It didn't start with radar. Uh, we look at toys and education stuff and all kinds of different ideas. Ended up picking radar because we learned pretty quickly through a, my business partner saw a, a friend of his with his two boys playing Little League. They were going out and finding these uh, trailers on the street side that were the car speed radars. And they were throwing cats in front of the trailers to see if they can get an idea of what their throwing velocities were because they couldn't afford a two thousand dollar you know radar gun which is what they were back then and it that gestated into an idea it aligned with our special knowledge of, as engineers radar technology is a rarefied engineering area that very few engineers uh, know how to do but my two partners came from that world of hp where they actually had worked on equipment to calibrate the u.s navy radars so these were people that you know all of us collectively could do this kind of rarefied sort of technology and we thought what if we could take radar I mean, the general idea was this, you know, seeing those kids do that, it became very obvious that there was no solution for the average amateur player and coach or team. And we said, could we do something to completely reach, change this paradigm and make democratize access to this rarefied equipment? Uh, and this was before the data revolution. So, you know, it, little did we know what was coming, um, you know, uh, specifically, we knew that, you know, stuff always continues and moves toward data. But one thing led to another, and we said, if we can make it pocket size, make it a few hundred bucks, make it rugged, and make it as the most accurate radar gun on the planet, we'd have something. We'd probably change the nature of radar, certainly, but probably change the nature of the sports that use that equipment. We could actually lift and elevate the game. More importantly, we weren't sports people, but we thought we could change people's lives. You know, we could we could really. Um, make a difference. And, and especially when, you know, I reflect on my youth and trying to play sports and coaching was different back then is that, you know, I warmed the bench cause I couldn't hit or I couldn't, you know, I couldn't field. So I, I was a backup person and nobody was interested in working with me. And that's the way it was played back then. You played the top players and everybody else waited. It was a babysitting service more than anything else. <laughs> so I reflected back on that too myself. I said, wow, you know, maybe if I could have had something or my coach could have had something like this, you know? And so one thing led to another and we tried to build this thing and, uh, uh, actually, we almost gave up because it was so hard, and we were we were pretty good engineers, and we we uh, realized why radar hadn't been reinvented and touched technology-wise in 50 years, which was literally true. It had been built the same way for 50 years, and so it was really difficult to do. Uh, we got what what were your biggest but, challenges there in the initial stages of it? It was there were technology challenges because these guns, if you've seen them, they're big, they're pistol shaped. Uh, there's a reason they're shaped the way they're shaped. Um, inside of those those boxes those big fat pistol shaped things is what looks like a if you took them apart you'll see a, like a little me metal megaphone it looks just like a megaphone but it's for radio waves and you had to put that inside of those things to get the signal to be strong enough to bounce off that leather baseball far away and come back radar is an echoing system basically where you bounce something off of something it comes back and you look at the you know it's like the, when you hear a car horn go by it changes in pitch right you know, effectively in radio waves, same things happen. If you can measure the pitch difference, you know, in sound, so to speak, but with radar waves, you can deduce the speed accurately. So the hard part was, how do you get rid of that big old horn in there? You know, it's big and bulky and physically large. 
So we use the same flat panel radar technology used in advanced military aircraft that for radars is a very, it's built on a flat panel. It looks like a credit card size thing. It's flat, but it's really hard to do that cheaply because it's advanced, very expensive technology. So that was the big challenge. How can we take military grade know-how and cram it into something that costs nothing uh, and make it be accurate and reliable? And so how were you able to how were you able to make that transition to making it inexpensive? We had to sort of work with overseas manufacturers that traditionally couldn't do anything this high tech and literally nobody in China makes this kind of stuff. So we ended up in South Korea. Uh, there's certain that have a specialty in more advanced technologies, yet they know how to do low cost as well. Not quite as low cost as China, but really close. And so we we studied with them and learned the manufacturing processes and then and, and the big cool breakthrough was how do we meld sort of low-cost manufacturing ideas and when you say low-cost manufacturing you're usually talking about cheaper components that have uh, you call it sloppier specifications because the more you pay for electronic componentry the more accurate precise the components are and so that was the big engineering breakthrough how do you take less precise components that are cheap and yet make it perform like military military grade radar systems and we actually got four patents, actually three technology patents out of it, because we basically reinvented how radar receivers work. It's the ear part of the echo. Effectively, it's the part where you yell into a canyon, the sound comes back. We made a smarter ear, if you will, a much more clever ear that could discriminate that echo off that leather baseball and got patents. And that was our big breakthrough. And plus, we're running on a little tiny two AAA batteries, which is no energy. The big guns have big, giant, powerful batteries. They're yelling really loud for that echo. And ours is almost like a whisper. And then even worse, we don't have this big giant metal antenna to, to collect all that energy coming back, like that sound echo, that radio. And so we had to solve it on several fronts because we had low power, you know, we had tiny antenna, we had small batteries. Uh, so it was a really fun engineering problem and we did it. And um, you so know, you're, you're like the Phil Knight of radar. <laughs> Because that story does okay. remind me of Shoe Dog. I read the book Shoe Dog about Phil Knight starting Nike. So you're, I'm going to start calling it, it, the, it Phil, is, the honestly, Phil Knight the process, of radar. Process is the same. It's agonizing through you know a concept you know you want to do like Phil did. Can I build a shoe like this? You know, it's it's the same idea, right? It's like it's intellectual challenge where you're pushing the envelope, right, and and going beyond where everybody else ever did. And and um, you know, it was fun. It was as an engineer, it was really fun because uh, it was really hard. And we talked about that last week about the initial pocket radar. What are some of the biggest differences from where you're at now to, to when you first started? Because I do remember that first convention when you guys showed up and brought the pocket radar and you and I talked about that, how I used the initial one. Can you talk about yep. the biggest differences between now and then? Yeah, I think that the, the best way to look at that, this is the way I look at it, especially today, looking back in retrospect, um, you know, we started as engineers knowing that usability was important and cost, and we tried our best to guess at what coaches and athletes and organizations needed. Uh, you know, we knew you had to, like, you know, make it really sort of single, easy to use. You know, we were inspired by the likes of the iPhones and, and the, uh, you know, remember the old flip video cameras that had one red button in the center before they got gobbled up by smartphones? Well, we were inspired by that kind of elegant usability, and we thought we have to do that. We can't have a whole bunch of buttons and settings and menus. You know, a coach or an athlete's got to be able to pull this thing out, push a button, have it work. And that, so, that's what drew me to the pocket radar because it looked like the video cameras that we were using to film our guys. I mean, that's what mm -hmm. it looked like. I, th I thought it was phenomenal. That was intentional, and thank you. Uh, that that's, was our intention. 
we got a few little, you know, you learn as you go when you build technology. And if you're paying attention, you know, the best thing you can do is listen to your customers. That's why the ABCA convention is so awesome. We can get there face to face with top coaches. And even, you know, as you know, the convention is attended by a lot of other folks too. Locals drive in. So you got everything from some dads occasionally go there, high school coaches, you know, travel team coaches. And so you get the whole spectrum at the convention. So this was essential, this was essential for us because we were wise enough as engineers and product people and entrepreneurs to know that, you know, we got to listen to our customers. So the first model, we took a stab at it, got it mostly right, but we forgot people don't read. <laughs> so we put, we just completely forgot that literally 95 plus 98% of people will not read instructions. I don't read instructions. I put them in the recycling bin and I'm smart enough. I'll figure this out. It's got one button on it. How hard could it be? Right? Well, we missed one little detail, which is that, uh, you know, if you don't time that button push on that early model, right, you get inaccurate speeds. If you use it right, it was, it's more accurate than a stalker gun, right? But turns out a large chunk of people didn't read and they pushed the button maybe when they saw the release of the ball out of the hand, they're measuring the pitch halfway to the plate. And they're like, oh, this is a garbage. I should have known better. It was cheap. You know, what, what was I expecting for a couple hundred bucks? It's, of course it didn't work. You know, <laughs> we learned. And then, you know, 10 years later, we've evolved. We have 10 products. You know, we evolved that one. Now we're on our third generation sports gun. We have other specialty guns for other applications like law enforcement and traffic. Um, we, we've won awards on a lot of these products at ABCA. I think we've run, won awards every year for every product we've introduced. And so this one is the culmination of listening to coaches for a decade. Everything that's in the guns today, I can honestly say was built on the input of all the coaches and athletes at large. Say, hey, can you do this? Can you make it do this? Can you make a video? That has speed in it can you do an app can you save my history can i export my data everything in the smart coach today literally was you know sort of crafted and curated input uh from our coaches and you know as a business owner especially you're building things for people you, you, that that's uh, the best thing you can do is to pay very close attention to your customers and you often hear things that you are very surprised at you know, on the fringe you'll hear something like i had no idea you think that way because i'm an engineer you're a coach and I understand it now. You explained it to me. Now I get it. But boy, I never would have figured this out had you not told me. So that's how we kept it, kept innovating. That's what we always will do. We're in this for the long haul. So we're going to continue to listen to coaches, ask them what's relevant to them, what's the, where their pain points are, what's their workflow like, athletes. So yeah, I love evolving things toward the customer uh, needs. What are the what's some of the feedback you're getting from coaches and athletes now during the COVID time? You know, it's. In, if you'd asked me this when COVID started, I would have been talking about, oh boy, how do I keep my employees employed? You know, how are we going to survive this crisis? Uh, and turns out there are silver linings in every crisis. And lo and behold, I'd been beating this drum. We have been beating this drum for 10 years saying, you know, um, data and measurement is an essential add-on and component to good coaching. And I already knew from all the wonderful Olympic coaches and championship college world series winning coaches, you know, from day one, they were, they taught me that measurement is an essential thing to do. If you are a goal oriented, you know, top organization, I found out very quickly that that is a minority, a vast minority of the sports world, although they're coming on strong, fast, people are learning this with data and stat cast. So we, um, you know, we realized that really quickly. Um, so during this time, you know, that silver lining was, basically the dots connected pretty quick. Like people can't go to showcases, they can't go to practice. I started calling all of our partners that we work with over decades, almost every name you'd recognize we work with, whether it's schools or businesses or showcase companies, scouting companies, tournament companies, 
Uh, they're all off the fields, obviously. And so quickly it became evident that the Smart Coach platform with its you know, embedded uh, you know, velocities that are accurate with video is a pretty darn good proxy for being on a field. Now you can't get into the competitive environment, but you can do a lot. And so very quickly, we started to see, uh, you know, even more demand for the product. And I've been saying this for years that it's good to do this virtualized stuff as a supplement to field competition. Uh, and everybody would say, yeah, yeah, it's a great idea, Steve. But, you know, they didn't act, a lot of people didn't act on that, uh, you know, and, and, you know, enough did that we're successful. But now it's almost like everybody opened their eyes at a necessity and went, hey, maybe, maybe they're right, you know, and next thing you know, whether it was individuals or coaches, I have guys that kept their training academies alive by, you know, virtually working with all their clients. There's teams that were having the guys practice at home and the coaches could review their video clips. There was lots of scouting and showcasing companies that said, I'm going to put on virtual showcases. And they've done them already where they've used smart coach video submissions as a proxy for being on a field. Uh, and so, you know, silver lining was, I think we're going to actually, uh, you know, have more awareness for the power of this kind of technology for bringing athletes to a higher level and teams and organizations than we ever would have had, had this not happened, which is strangely ironic. Uh, it opened people's eyes. What are the biggest differences with smart coach now than when you first started with smart coach? Uh, probably the heart of it is that People weren't, uh, they knew our brand pretty well. It, it was the ball coach product, which was before this was a, a loved product and used by everybody, um, including all the MLB teams. And then when we came out with this, you know, the coaches wanted to have the video and the velocity, you know, merged, but it turned out people, I don't think had really fully explored the power of that platform and really understood how much we had listened and put all this stuff in, into the app. And no surprise at ABCA when coaches told us what they wanted, who was that? It was the forward thinking coaches that were being created, the championship coaches. No surprise, all the championship coaches were the thought leaders, right? And that was one of the things I woke up to pretty early is like, oh, there's a reason they're champions. Yes. <laughs> because they went on every level. They're thought, they're thought leaders, they're leaders, they're people, they're, they're at heart, they're people, they know people and how to lead people into victory. You know, there's all these wonderful characteristics. So those thought leaders helped us put those features in there. But as you know, not everybody is a thought leader. Not everybody's a champion. Yeah. So the vast majority had not discovered what those coaches already knew. Yeah. So that was always been our mission is how can we take sort of a piece of technology that was created from thought leaders collectively and make the non-thought leaders that are real avid, you know, coaches, great, great coaches, great players, but had not yet sort of connected those dots. You know, how can I use this tech to have actionable goals for my team? How to achieve, you know, higher, higher status or higher success, win the championships, you know, get on the all-star team. Those dots weren't connect connected. So that's what's profoundly changed. And you know, it's our continuous mission is to have that information flow sort of downward from the thought leaders into the masses. And that's sort of my core mission, honestly, as an outward facing part of pocket radar is to work with partners and athletes and coaches and organizations to say, Hey, do you know what the champions do? Do you? Know? It's not me as a technology company. I'm just telling you what I see. You know, winners do with our stuff. And wouldn't you like to be like them? Wouldn't you like to understand their practices? You know, don't 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 ask me. Ask them. That's why I love conventions, right? Because you get folks up there on stage, whether it's Expo Theater or it's, or it's the education sessions, and they talk about, about the stuff. They talk about our product. They talk about all kinds of products. And uh, I love that. That's why ABC is so awesome because it's this mission of education that's precisely on the same point. You know, 
you know, that good information disseminated widely, get everybody to know about it. I mean, that's a mission that I'm on in a small way myself is that if I make people win, you know, then I know the sales will come. And I guess you could say the real mission of our company is to make people win, not sell radars. That's just sort of nice side effect. So I can keep making more radars and keep innovating from those wins. So we all win. So I, that's, that's what I love. You, you talked about Dante Bichette. Can you talk about how you met him and just your guys' relationship and then the things that you've done with him and Bo? Yeah, that that happened really early in, in the company. And uh, sitting here right now, I honestly can't remember the single moment because he's been part of the company for so long. I don't know if it was an email that came in or we met him at APCA or we were on a field or a friend of a friend. But it was probably because early on we tried to find open-minded people that were thought leaders, and he was one. He was one of the earliest guys I knew because he, because of his you know his hitting coach um, experience there and how he was a thought leader you know in pro ball and he knew before most people knew that measuring exit velocities as a critical component of of phenomenal uh, coaching for hitting development was essential to measure where you want to go see where you are as an athlete or as a coach uh, it works for both and so. He, we, I think we even gave him one of our early products way on and, and he loved it. And so he's been a, an advocate ever since. That's when I learned early, honestly, when he worked with Bo as a kid, you know, as, as I think he was probably like a freshman in high school, maybe younger, maybe junior high school, started working with Bo and I got to hear him tell me, yeah, I use your product to measure exit velocity with Bo and I'm working on his hitting and we're working real hard and he's got a great work ethic. But with the, with the numbers, you know, he knows, you know, when he's doing better, he knows even hit per hit, whether that mechanics change actually had an outcome. That's the secret magic right there is that feedback, file feedback, right? Yes. So a lot of good coaches like Dante sort of taught us that. Now I feel like I can pass that on and look at Bo Bichette. Okay. I think, I think that it speaks for itself when you have great genetics and you train the best way possible. Look what happens. Yeah, as a competitor, you're, whether you're a player or a coach, as a player, you want to see if you're improving yourself. And then as a coach, you want to see if what you're asking your players to do is working. And it gives you credibility with your players that, hey, we tested, you know, we got our baseline test and then we retested, you know, whether it's a week later, a month later, you know, we retested and you've improved. It, it gives everything credence. I, I can't. I can't speak enough to that topic because if you really think about the value of measurables, you know, I mean, you can apply it to other disciplines in life, whether it's talking about, you know, SAT scores to get into college or GPAs, we're all measured all the time. Yet in sports development, player development for many years, it really wasn't done that much other than stats and box scores and things like this. This is a, is a sort of a slow feedback, right? So we, they were measuring, but they weren't measuring in the most powerful way, which is like during that practice or that workout or that bullpen, you know, measuring yourself or in a, with a coach, you know, helping a team measuring during a, a practice or a scrimmage. You know, these are things where uh, in other disciplines, that is a, uh, the backbone of the forward progress is that measurement. So from I like what you said, because this is something that I've lost a lot is that coaches themselves, if they're thinking right, they can measure themselves and assess their own techniques and always improve. They go, hey, are the, are, is my team always getting better? Are my clients in my training academy? always improving, not to mention the side effects of parents coming in or other stakeholders going, wow, you're a great coach. You know, I want to keep writing checks for you to give my son hitting lessons, or I want to keep you as the head coach of this organization because you're improving all these metrics. So it, it serves a lot of people and a lot of stakeholders. So everybody knows 
you know, what that GPA is, what that SAT score is. It really is. As humans, we love to be measured and know where we rank personally. Uh, you know, and the brutal reality is that, you know, our opportunities and doors that open and close are often based on, you know, assessment of our abilities. And there's one of the components is sort of measurable outcomes. Can, can you prove to me with measurements that you did a better job? Is my, is that athlete, you know, hitting a more powerful exit velocity and hitting, you know, you know, 90 miles an hour now instead of 85 exit speed, you know, it's, um, it's, you know, it makes so much sense. Once you cross that line, no one goes back. You know, be like a carpenter giving them a tape measure and then taking a tape measure away. It's like, that ain't going to happen, right? So. I, I loved it because I had a scientific background. So I had science background as an undergrad and then for my master's. So I loved the test, retest portion of everything because it made sense to me. And and I felt like it, it gave our guys an opportunity to see if they're improving. And that's what you want if you're competitive. That's what you yeah. want. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned something about the hidden, and I've always, I'm glad you brought it up because I, in the back of my mind, you know, that the hidden truth about speed measurement accuracy, like, how do you know if, if what the equipment they're using is, is telling you the truth? You know, this is, uh, this is one of these, you know, sore spots for us because it's a very difficult education thing because it's very math related and science-y and all this kind of stuff. So it's not a conversation you can have with a lot of people, yet it's vitally important and they don't know it, but it's affecting their lives tremendously. A good illustration of this is I use baseball scouting. So imagine if, you know, MLB scouts went off and went out and looked at the hot prospect of the showcase, right? And there, there's 30 scouts clustered behind the backstop with their radar gun of choice. And uh, fortunately now a lot of them are carrying uh, pocket radar branded product, but it used to be it was all the older, bigger style guns that were bulky. Uh, the thread in there that no one knows about is that they would never use a gun that wasn't accurate because imagine, you know, seeing a kid touching 100 miles an hour a few times and only finding out that the only reason you're seeing those speeds because the gun you're using is plus or minus five miles an hour. The kid never, ever threw above 95 ever in his life, but you're seeing him touch 100, 100, 100. Maybe you're going to pay him millions of dollars for that, you know, so and that's the most rarefied space where that number is the most vitally important in terms of, you know, uh, downside if you're wrong and such and upside. And uh, so in sports tech today, the unfortunate truth is that we we worked extremely hard to make sure that we produced the most accurate radar gun on the planet in sports. And we actually, because we make law enforcement products, our core technology is certified in a police chief's laboratory. This is literally the laboratory that you have to get through as the gauntlet to be able to sell law enforcement radar. This goes to court. People are sued. This, you know, people go to jail. You know, this is high stakes, you know, higher stakes than the signing the wrong kid. And uh, so, uh, so our radar guns come from that fundamental, you know, accuracy background and all of our products are in there. But that being said, you can buy radar guns for $99 that seem like a great bargain and they look like a radar gun and they put numbers up that are cool, but you know, they might be, I don't know, minus five miles an hour occasionally or, or plus five miles an hour occasionally. And nobody really understands that. So one of our big education challenges is to emphasize how important accuracy is. And depending on scouting is, you know, it's really important, but I'll illustrate another point. What if you're using radar gun to assess yourself when you're throwing a bullpen or, you know, hitting a, uh, just hitting off a tee or, or soft toss or live pitching, you know, how do you guide your own training? Whether you're the coach or the player, how do you know where you're going if your GPS is jumping around by a mile at a time, you know, oh, I'm on this freeway. No, now I'm on this side road. 
you know, it's like it's like being lost with a map that's changing all the time. And so how I mean, talk about driving yourself mentally insane. You know, you think you just figured out some mechanics that were like better. In reality, they were worse, but you didn't know that because the number was high, wrongly high. And so that's the most critical example of how you can drive, be driven crazy by inaccuracy. So you can't even use an inaccurate radar gun for sort of intensive hit by hit, hit throw by throw evaluation because sloppy numbers there, you can't converge on the right performance because you're being given erroneous data all the time. It'd be like, you know, I don't know what the analogy is, but you can you can see the, the point there. Someone says, you know, go left, go right, and and then and then they're changing the changing the map on you or the pathway is just under your feet is changing. It's like, okay, we're I'm lost. I don't know what to do here. So uh, people don't understand accuracy though. It's 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 a tough thing because then you start talking about percentages plus or minus. Like like if you look up uh, some of the traditional guns like Stalker and you open the manual up, you'll see plus or minus three percent on a reading is the accuracy spec. We're plus or minus one per hour, one mile per hour. Well, plus or minus three percent on a hundred mile an hour pitch is anywhere between ninety seven and one hundred and three. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think most people would understand that that's not so good to be able to know that. Now in reality, you can take those guns and take ours and, and they're in that high class where they'll dance around within one mile an hour of each other. And, the, and there's a lots of complexity around radar and how measurements occur, but accuracy is paramount. So, you know, those $99 guns or those, there's a lot of balls coming out now. I think there's like six vendors that are making these smart ball things that, you know, you throw them and tells you your VLO and all kinds of other things. Well, those are, those are like plus or minus, you know, sometimes six, seven miles an hour. And there's some, if you go search the internet, you can find these write-ups where they compare these things, but most people don't look at that. They say, oh, that was cheap. You know, it was a hundred bucks and I was 70 bucks. And so I'm going to use it. And, you know, to some degree with radar, you do get what you pay for, you know, yeah. uh, except for our, ours is the exception. Of course, we, we put accuracy down so you can pay thousands for something and, and actually the same accuracy as you can with ours. We're that rare sort of uh, uh, weird exception to that rule. <laughs> that was always the, always the fun guessing game when you're scouting is everybody puts their guns up and then you, you would look around and see if everybody was getting the same readings or not. Oh, I, usually that. you were, but, um, like, you know, you, you could be right next to somebody and they could be getting a different reading than you, which was always fascinating to me that you'd get different readings. Well, and that even with, you know, 12, pro $2,000 radar guns of another other another brand, uh, pro scouts still do that. They're like, what did you get? What did you get? Normal radar, even the best radar, you know, made um, has what they call interference or ghost readings or cell phone towers. That's the technology part of this is that no radar gun on the earth will, will measure accurate every single moment, every single pull, because it could get a little signal from a car off on a road. Oh yeah. Or some ball fields at a freeways off the center field and you can't even measure pictures on them. Normal West high school in Bloomington, Illinois, uh, they're I 55 that rolls right through the outfield. So there you, go. you would have to time when you were going to radar because yeah, if you, <laughs> if you started too early, you're going to get the cars rolling by. Yeah. You know, you started on the engineering side, but what have been your biggest challenges about being an entrepreneur? Yeah, we talk about that a lot. We, uh, we, uh, my business partner is a is a volunteer at the local university and the entrepreneur in residence. We talked to a lot of young people. We cure, we mentor young people in our business about uh, about the nature of entrepreneurship, and I bring that up because while the technology was extremely difficult. Um, the harder part of the whole adventure is the human factor. Is it even when I'll never forget the first year I took our first model out to Arizona and I stood side by side with Andy Lopez before he retired, you know, two time college world series winner. You know, he had his 
thousand multi thousand dollar radar gun. We did a shootout side by side, and he just turned to me when the numbers were matching. You know, or two hundred dollar radar gun versus a two thousand dollar radar gun, and he's looked at me and he said, "You got to be blanking kidding me or something." I don't know if he cussed. He probably didn't. Other people did. I don't think Andy did. But that was a typical response. It's like too good to be true, right? Of course, I was delighted. We built the right thing. And naive Steve thought that, well, if Andy Lopez is telling me I have just invented the world's best radar gun and he wanted a whole bunch of them, then uh, I thought, you know, well, within six months, it's going to sell itself. I couldn't have been more profoundly wrong because you can build the best thing in the world and you can have the customer tell you you've done that. And you can have the customer even tell other people that you've done that. But the distance between that moment in time and when you actually can sell enough to keep your company alive is many years. <laughs> and that was not that was lost on me because the hard part of the problem is how do you tell everybody that's overwhelmed with information every day in the digital era we live in that you exist, number one. Number two, you're not trying to rip them off and sell them garbage, especially when you have a product that seems too good to be true. Honestly, that was a detriment. Yeah, right. A $200 radar gun is as good as a $2,000 radar gun. Yeah, ha ha. You know, I'm not a, I'm not going to buy any of that snake oil today. Thank you very much. Oh, and beside the point, why would I need a radar gun as an amateur coach or parent? That's for scouts. That was the other detriment. It's like, wait, you don't understand. No, radar guns are really, really valuable for you. Like, no, it isn't. That's for baseball scouts. So all those hurdles that were sort of human factors, I had no clue how big those mountains were to climb. And so it took years to overcome all those things. Probably about six years later about 2005 six is when the ball coach was introduced and the reputation had been organically building grassroots you know and baseball is great that way it's it's a word of mouth uh, mouth. with with coaches like you're going to get credibility word of mouth in baseball in the baseball yes in the baseball community they are very skeptical at first and they reject everything it's a tradition to be skeptical in baseball yes and so um (laughs) you know but once you cross the hurdle then you're on the other side of that, which is it's they're loyal. There's loyalty and belief in something. And I want to change that. We are a loyal group. Baseball is very not loyal. I'm giving up my group. pocket radar gun, you know, now. But it took six years to pivot that around. I mean, I used to joke that people showing up early on with pocket radar next to all the big guns were being laughed at and ridiculed, right? Scouts, right? And our coaches. And now today, I can honestly say that in many scenarios, I've heard the reverse. You know, there's the majority of people are bringing up their pocket radar product of choice. And some guys bringing his old $2,000 radar gun that he loves. And they're laughing at him now going, why are you bringing that old boat anchor here? Come on, dude. You know what I mean? So now it's flipped around delightfully for us. You know, it took years to get there. Now MLB, all 30 MLB teams use our product reliably. They love it. Uh, they, they order cases and cases of them at spring training. Every coach has a pocket radar in their product, in their pocket. Uh, and, uh, of course, and, you know, hitting or pitching and exit velocity has come on board over the last four to five years, you know, just a short while ago before stat cast and other factors and showcasing, uh, people didn't even know that hitting was a really good, uh, you know, subject matter for, or, uh, uh, coaching area that radar really was great in. So that was fairly new over the last, you know, four or five years. What have you loved about being an entrepreneur? The people actually. Is that the biggest difference from what you were doing to what you're doing now is, is the impact you're having on people? Yeah, huge. You know, I was an individual contributor engineer that was working with other engineers sort of behind closed doors, if you will. I was rarely out in front of customers. Being a business owner and a founder and a, and a CEO and out there doing business development and customer facing things, attending trade shows, talking to thousands and thousands of amazing coaches and athletes. 
and you know, dirty little secret, I was the nerd in high school. So nerds are supposed to hate jocks, right? And so, so I had this warped conception because of the guys that were, I guess, angry at their mom and dad and they wanted to go kill people on the football field. I thought that was an athlete. Well, I had no idea what a dedicated athlete actually looked like. I was clueless. Uh, my best buddy was a football player in high school and he was, he was a wild animal and just wanted to go out and you know, hurt people. And just to get his anger out on the football field, and I, it was good he had that to vent. I mean, I understood it and appreciated it and actually wanted to sort of be there myself, but I couldn't. Uh, but over the years now, learning that some of the, the highest quality people I have met in my life has been during the decade that I have been meeting Olympic coaches, championship world college winning coaches, little league coaches, dads, moms, I mean, athletes, is opened my eyes to that part of the people thing for me and and, and the hard puzzle as a, as a critical thinker, I love solving hard problems, you know, getting the word out about what we can do, helping uh, disseminate that education from the top coaches down to amateurs has been the hardest challenge of my life in business. Uh, maybe, you know, how do you take something, it's information into other human people, uh, other brains, other minds. It's about building relationships. And I'm trying to realize that that's the heart of what we're doing is we're actually and, and changing people's lives to the positive it is so wonderful to have people call us up and say, you know, like COVID, we had a, a young woman, there was just an article in a, in a publication, she was a softball player, senior, eligible, all of her showcasing opportunities fell up by the wayside. Uh, baseball stories like that guy, Luke Little. Oh, yeah. Throwing 105, 102. Yep. He, he got drafted. It, the clips from the smart coach is one of the things that got him seen. Yes, it was. While he was locked down yes. practicing. Yep. You've probably seen them. Yep. So yep. these stories come back at us, you know, about, Thank you for building the tech because this tech, you know, saved my athletic life right now. It provided me, it allowed me to get to places I couldn't have gone. It helped me improve faster than I could have. So these things are, are the rewarding thing. And I've learned that I never would have said this a few years back, but I get more joy out of getting those uh, stories back from folks that we've helped than I get out of the rush of creating a cool design as an engineer, which is a rush to create anything, you know, it's, does something really cool that's one kind of excitement a creation excitement but changing somebody's life uh to the better that's above that and i think all everybody in my company has got to feel that we all get to hear those testimonials if we're sitting at abca talking to a coach that's did the hey, did the convention help you kind of sway your opinion on what athletes actually were or people in athletics actually were absolutely yeah. there's no better place than an abca convention with thousands of people in the sport there it's like it's like a it's like a, a a steroid version of your year crammed into a few days and so there's no way you can encounter that many stakeholders that quickly per hour and so it's like it's like relationship building on steroids right you you basically get in there and you know you get to meet so many great people so many different types of coaches it's it's probably the only way to get a feeling for the variety and the diversity of how people think, how they approach their sport, how they approach coaching, and for us relevantly, how do they embrace or not embrace technology? There's so much to learn in those relationships that, you know, the conventions were one of the big awakenings for us. We, you know, we didn't understand that we weren't building the consumer electronics product 10 years ago. We thought every family could use a radar gun, whether it's speeding cards on the street or your mom and dad are upset because the kids are playing or it's little Johnny or Jane are playing tennis or baseball or softball. And this is a great general purpose tool. I mean, as boring as it sounds, we envisioned it early, like a tape measure in the junk drawer. Got to have your pocket radar in the junk drawer, right? We were so, I mean, in theory, that's all right. Okay. But it, 
is a much harder sell when you sell it that way. Go to ABCA, go to a softball convention, go to a tennis convention, go to a volleyball convention and talk to stakeholders that care about velocity. Why don't we pick baseball and softball where they had a hundred years of understanding that pitching velocity is important. Why don't we start there? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, duh, after looking back, it's like, okay, pick sports where numbers matter already, at least in some way and, and, and build a better mousetrap and basically build on that. Right. And then listen and learn and, and go from there. I mean, that's what a lot of companies don't align that way. We fortunately learned the lesson early you know, to go ahead and listen, pay attention and listen to your customers and go to places where people want what you're building, you know. What are some of the things you're doing with OnBaseU, with Dr. Greg Rose? What, what are some of the things you're doing with the advisory board? That has been really fun because I've known Don Slot for years. and, and I love Don, Don Slot. He, he changed my coaching with oh. Right View Pro. He changed how I coached, how I viewed hitting, how I saw hitters how I saw their movements, being able to take your own players, compare them against big league guys. And I know with On Base U, it's, they're changing the way you think about how your athletes move. So it's a little different now from back then because yep. there's not as many comparisons or try to find a, a mover that's similar to how your guys move. That's, that's the next step for, for coaching is... Right. You are so right on. In fact, that's that is how I would sort of express my my excitement about being on their advisory board. Is that Don approached me after years? Hey, you want to be on our board? We're starting to do more in services with the big league teams, and so I flew out to one they did with the Tigers uh, before it was like the late last year, and observed the three day seminar that him and Dr. Greg Rose put on. And you know, I don't know if you're listening. Your listeners, a lot of people know Dr. Greg Rose, but he's comes from the golf world fame. He yes. built the Titleist Performance Institute. It is like a world mecca center for, you know, and there are like 19,000 or 20,000 certified TPI, you know, uh, fitters. Uh, and I think baseball is catching up, but track and field and golf were really the driving forces for a lot of the implementation of what baseball is doing. Now, baseball's caught up, but it, you got a lot from golf and track and field. Well, that's why I was so excited because I connected the dots as an engineer. I thought, okay, look. I realized pretty quickly when talking to, I knew this sort of myself, gleaned this, that, you know, the exciting opportunity in baseball is that is, is catching up now. There's a real rapid change. It literally, golf is, and I'm not exaggerating when I say golf was 30 years ahead of baseball, you know, a few years ago. They had been using high-speed 3D motion capture systems, the most advanced hundreds of, there's a lot of money in golf. So they, they were investing hundreds of thousands of dollars in instrumentation to measure a golf swing, a golf ball hit. They knew everything about golf. Well, in golf, too, you also have your 50-year-old amateur that wants to improve. Like, you don't have yeah. as much of that in baseball. So, like, the, right. the wealthy Broader. guy that plays golf, he's going to want to improve because, yeah, either he wants to beat his buddy on the course or he's going to make some money on a side bet on the yeah. course. Lots of a broader demographic over a white writer age, a lot more money on the average. So that's why the investment happened there, you know, on the tour and the pros. So, anyway, I mean – I loved coming on board because I got to get another uh, meeting. Dr. Greg Rose was phenomenal because talk about a thought leader. I mean, there's he he's the poster child. Look at a poster of a thought leader, and there's there's Dr. Greg Rose there. Greg is is uh, uh, oh my gosh, he he, he consumes 600 page science textbooks like you know I eat like snacks. You know he he like he just gobbles up. He's not a, he's not 
you know, he believes in the power of science and deductive reasoning and logical thought. He has no bias, you know, emotionally to one's method or another. He getting together with Don with his expertise in baseball and hitting and, and pitching now too, that um, they together formed on base you to take the expertise from the golf world, married up with Don's expertise in baseball. And I am phenomenally impressed because they're breaking it down yes. using science, using best practices and coaching, you know, and they're, you know, I have to tell you, I witnessed this with these in-services, generally speaking, they're talking to pro teams and they're elevating the know-how inside pro teams tremendously because the, the part that as an engineer that I love is pro teams are using uh, motion sensing systems like KVEST, right? Yes. That was the best tool I have ever seen. I love the KVEST. Body mechanics to outcomes. So, you know, here's the geeky engineer in me. I can look at a KVS graph now, courtesy of Don and Dr. Rose. I, I finally looked under the hood a little bit more and said, wow, this is cool. Rotational velocity of the hips, the shoulder, and the arm. You know, there's no better way to get insights on a pitch or a hit, you know, and where you could go side by side with a pro or, or more importantly, side by side with yourself, you know, looking at your body mechanics and going where it's like the x-ray machine for body mechanics. It's literally like, I get to finally look under the hood and see millisecond by millisecond, what is my body doing right and wrong? And you can zero in immediately on your problem area and see, I need to work on core strength. I need to work on timing. I need to work on blocking things I'm doing that's you know slowing down velocity. And so I saw this, it was like I you know went to the mountain or something because you know I thought, oh my gosh, this along with what we build to measure the outcomes of exit velocity, throwing velocity, that's the whole enchilada, right? Is like, so the fact that they're marrying all that together, it's the total solution. It really is the ultimate solution is to take ball measurements along with body and, and, and bat measurements and mash it all together with know-how, with great coaching and experience. Uh, what I'm witnessing happening there, I think represents the pinnacle of the best of the best in sports training and coaching. And I think that's gonna disseminate all the way downward eventually. And as we build technologies like Pocket Radar and KVEST, as all these companies, and you've seen this as well as I have, the conventions, you see these vendors popping up every year. This is not unknown. People are scratching at that. And I think in less than a few years, you're gonna see the amateur young athlete is gonna probably have something clipped to their body and some little Pocket Radar product and on their smartphone something, and they're gonna be doing what the major leaguers are doing now or at or what Titleist Performance Institute is doing for a few, you know, for a, a modest subscription price, maybe, you know, with some hardware, they're going to be training, training like the best in the world now. And the cool thing about it is it, you don't waste time spending on effort and practice that's taking you right down the wrong path. They'll be on a laser focused, uh, narrow path toward excellence to the best that they can possibly be. And that's what I love about it. this tech allows any individual athlete or coach or organization to um, be the best they can be. They don't go off, they won't be lost and wasted wasting time uh, down pathways that are fuzzy and murky and where there's blindness. They'll get full visibility to where, where they are, where they have to go with no debate whether their body's moving right or wrong, no debate whether the ball velocity is correct or the bat path. It's all gonna be known here pretty shortly, but data is only as good as you can interpret it. So. That's the magic is how do you take that complexity that you can deploy at a big league level or a D1 college like Vanderbilt, and how do you push that down to the volunteer dad coach on the field in your town? That's our mission. Part of our mission is to help with that. But it's not just the tech. 
as you know, there's a lot of missing ingredients there around the education and the know-how. That's what conventions are for, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It cleaned one of our senior uh, catchers up two springs ago. He went over winter break back home and worked with a former player of mine that was using the K-Vest. And I was like, hey, get on the K-Vest. It's probably going to help with your sequencing because there were certain things that we would see on film and he'd see himself, but he he couldn't make that next step to cleaning it up. And as soon as he put the K-Vest on and saw that his sequencing, that his upper body was moving before his, his lower half, he made the adjustment immediately. And when he, as soon as he came back from winter break and that first hitting session we had with him, I could see it. And I was like, oh, he's cleaned himself up. And so I was like, hey, how was the K-Vest? He was like, it was great, coach. He goes, I, I saw things that... I didn't really understand. And he had a monster year two springs ago just from that. And that was the exciting thing for me for what the future is going to be for coaches is because it's going to make life much easier for coaches and players that going forward. That story is, is so on point. Yes. That, that encapsulates um, really the heart of my mission is that that experience you just referred to about that athlete, think of the efficiency in that. If you started that way and didn't ha- get that way late, but you were early, what if you were eight years old yeah. and you were learning how to hit? I mean, this sounds crazy, but it's not crazy. It's only visibility is all this is about. Imagine the vol. I mean, this is crazy, and people are doing this actually. Imagine a volunteer, a little league coach that could give that kid and that and that parent the same insights that you just described. Hey, kid, you know you're, you're starting your shoulders a little too early there and you can just dumb it down right in english you don't need tech. well how many times have you heard you, you're flying open you're flying open well yeah, it, here's why here's why you're flying open right and it, it just converges the conversation into this razor sharp narrow pathway you don't have to grapple in the dark with a blindfold hoping to find your way through the forest feeling for trees you know what i mean it's like no there's a laser pointer down this pathway and you know, forget all that wasted energy and talk about morale building. This is the other thing I've seen. There's nothing like, I'm sure that athlete you referred to this, he gets a breakthrough like that and has a monster season because he had a singular uh, breakthrough with understanding he needed to start his upper body a little later than his lower. That's it. But he couldn't get there until he saw it on a K-Vest. This is the exit velocity is the affordable version of that same thing. Yes. You know, I did. That's a little more blindness because you don't have a K-Vest, but it's the, it doesn't matter. I've seen youth people go, okay, I've watched this with two athletes in one hour at 10 miles an hour of exit velocity because they started with bad hitting sequencing and a decent coach, not even a, I mean, it doesn't take a phenomenal coaching if you know the right uh, approach. So I've seen this where a few quick changes with the exit velocity validating that you made the right change can make someone in an hour add enough power to hit 50 extra feet, which is unbelievable. And consistency. And and that was what I always tried to get guys to understand is, yes, we're measuring your exit velocity, but we want consistency of your exit velocity. It it doesn't do you any good if your top end is 95, if you're going to hit a 75 every once in a while because your swing's not consistent. So let's try to get a consistent hard contact every time. Absolutely. And I think that's where the instant feedback on the radar gun helps as well. Besides yep. seeing what your top end is, yep. but let's see how consistently you can connect with the baseball. And, and a lot of coaches tell me that they want to see a six, a whole session where, yes. you know, you're in a tight exit below range. And so you can really get on it even better than live BP where you're trying to adapt to pitch velocities and change timing. 
this is the that's the advanced knowledge is yes. like on a live game how to adjust your timing and still get the same consistent exit velocities whether it's a changeup or a fastball you know it's you know adapting that's that's perfection you know where you can adapt in the game and you get consistent you know exit power you get power consistently hey how early were you trying to invent things at what age <laughs> Well, while their kids were playing Little League, I was playing with my electronic kits, you know, so I was running that from, and before that it was Legos, you know, building, you know, Martian, you know, landing robots or whatever. My 17-year-old still has his Lego sets. Like, he, we would always get, he loved Legos. He still has them. Like, he still yeah, tinkers I, around with them. That's a common thread with me and my three, and my two partners who are engineers as well. You know, the thing that brought us together is that we were all those nerdy kids at a very young age, pre-10 years old even, you know, building like electronic kits, Legos, you know, you know, back in the day, I'm going to be 60 next month. So, you know, it wasn't like I was playing with, you know, uh, video games or writing software. I was, you know, building Legos and building mechanical things with engines and electronics, you know. Everybody talks about baseball being the America's Americans pastime on the playing side. But I think this is why we're America's pastime as well, because you can we include everybody like it's all inclusive. It's People that maybe didn't even play that much are still included in the in the game itself, which for me is is the best thing well, about baseball. You know what the ultimate irony on that front is? I just sort of smile because I work with MLB teams all the time. Yesterday I was talking to two different teams, and and you know now this is just makes my head spin. Now it's like some computer scientist that programs supercomputers is working for an MLB team, you know, making the draft choice better. Okay, how? I mean, who would ever thought that some nerdy programmer that loved baseball as a spectator now has his dream job or yes. her dream job to go there and start writing software that's going to be picking the next draft choice for that team that their favorite team. I mean, that, come on. That's like, <laughs> hey, I read you had, you've, than that. you've had 17 patents. What was your first one? Uh, it. It came back at Hewlett Packard uh, around a networking product I was working on around. We invented a new way. I mean, effectively, the Internet we all depend on today, we were building the, the little boxes and closets you never see that make the Internet work. It's a plumbing. We were building the plumbing of the Internet. And that was my first patents were around uh, some boxes that were Internet components. Uh, um, so I helped build the Internet, which is really cool. Where can people find you and then give me some final thoughts? Pocketradar.com is is our website, and um, now I I want to thank you for having me on here because I actually love to share all of this information with everybody out there. Uh, you know, you can tell my mission is to sort of get that information out there about how people can benefit from using sports technology properly, and how you know I I love being on the mission to uh, you know be out there talking about this stuff and creating these solutions, and we're going to keep doing this forever. Um, I think it's a wonderful story. I, for me personally, I think everybody's got a great story to tell. And I think this story is, is phenomenal. Uh, just from where you started and where it is now, and you're continuing to drive everything forward. I think it's a phenomenal story. Thanks, Ryan. I, uh, I know I've loved doing it. And uh, it's nice to have this be the sort of last career of my of my life. I look at this as my final chapter of my career until I'm a some old man bugging the young engineers or something, you know, but but I don't want to ever stop creating and helping, you know, do things for people like this. So yeah, definitely found my home in doing this kind of work. Um, you know, while, while building the internet was fun, this is a lot more fun. <laughs> and thanks again for sponsoring our Tuesday nights. 
oh, webinars. Welcome. We wouldn't have been able to do that without you guys. And it's been a great resource and something that's but, on our website and on the app and that anybody can go in at any time. And it's cool seeing the Pocket Radar logo up there on, on Tuesday nights. Really glad to be doing that. Glad yeah. to do it. Telling stories, obviously. Yeah, it's a, so. it's a phenomenal story. So uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you I'm glad you say that because uh, I sure feel that way. I love not it. Being able to share it with people, it's why I. Uh, well, I, I, I told you that. Like I I remember what you guys were when you first started, and to see where you're at now, it's and you're able to do things that I could never do as a person. Like I the implementation and the tech part and how you actually take an idea and turn it into a reality is fascinating for me. That's where the fun is for us as creators. It's yep. taken. I mean, honestly, anybody that creates, I don't care if you're an artist or an engineer or, a, or trying to figure out a coaching strategy. That's another version of it's the same thing. You know, brilliant strategies in coaching are no different than engineering. It's engineering success with a team. Just the building blocks and the componentry is different. And it has a fun, more fun factor. Actually, it's always people in there. I don't care if it's an engineering group or a team. It's the same. That's what I started. To, that's one of the coolest things in life is realizing that we're all the same. Yes, we are. <laughs> yep. Yes, we are. The joys we get, whether we're a sports person or an engineer, they all come from the same uh, core. You know, it's about people. It's about being feeling productive and meaningful and creative in your life with your life effort. The more you feel productive, the more you feel you're giving something back to the world with your skills or gifts. You know, I, the more you feel alive and joyous. And, you know, as I get older, it's, I wish I had that wisdom when I was 20, you know, <laughs> but uh you know, that really is what it's about. It's what makes us all feel good and want to get up and do things, you know? For morning. sure. For sure. Um, and that's part of brain I, development, though. As you get older, you and, and from an experience standpoint, your life view changes and, yeah. uh, you know, it is wasted on the youth. Um, it, you know, that that is the that that statement. is there, There's no truer statement than that. There's no truer statement. No truer statement than that. How, how powerful would humanity be as a species if, the 20 or 18 year olds had the wisdom of the 60 year olds and 50 year olds. I mean, seriously. Well, yeah. and you learn how to let things go too. You know, that that's, that's part of, of getting older is things that maybe wound you up as a young person. Don't I, I think about my 17, we, he and I were arguing last night and <laughs> he did argue I, well, it, so over nothing. It's an over argument nothing. over nothing that he's getting so wound up about. And I'm like, just yep. in the back of my mind, I'm like, hey, he's going to be fine. He just, we all went through it. All right, well, have a great rest of the week. So thanks so much for coming on. You too, Ryan. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to Steve and I. Uh, I love his mission of making technology affordable and accessible for everybody. Uh, he's on the forefront of challenging uh, what's going on with tech, and he's on the forefront of changing coaching and player development. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you.